Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the Amazon Alexa as a skill. Um, today's podcast, um, we're very kindly joined by Guy Harrison, who is the general manager of Dow Jones risk and compliance business. Guy, thank you very much for being here with us today. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you. So, Guy, before, before we, we start, could you just give us a, a brief breakdown of your of your role, your background and, and uh, your, your sort of main operations uh, at Dow Jones? Of course. So I'm the general manager of Dow Jones risk and compliance business. Um, we uh, help our customers by providing them with risk data, software and services in four main areas. Firstly, financial crime compliance. Secondly, sanctions compliance. Thirdly, trade compliance. And fourthly, third party risk management. So primarily focused on their their supply chains. Uh, With the fastest growing division within Dow Jones's professional information business. Uh, And while certainly no business is immune to the impacts of this pandemic, uh, it's safe to say that the demand for our data is not going away. Certainly, as you know, hopefully we'll discuss further, but compliance teams are facing increasing pressure uh, to cope with the compliance impacts of, of the pandemic. Okay, so obviously we're, we're here to discuss the, the current situation with, with COVID-19. You, you touched on the main um, areas there that you cover, but what are the, the main impacts that you're seeing on businesses at the moment from you know, first of all, the sort of main day-to-day regulatory um, considerations and obviously the management of those considerations, but also, um, you know, the potential crime and fraud. What, what, How's that impacting businesses at the moment? So I think there's probably three main areas. Uh, there's certainly a heightened risk for business in terms of financial crime. That's the first one I'd, I'd highlight. Second one I'd highlight is that there's a high degree of disruption to their supply chains. They're having to look at their suppliers, potentially offboard and onboard new suppliers at a rate that they haven't had to do in the past. And thirdly, I think the other big trend that we're seeing is something of a resurgence of the nation state. Uh, and I know that sounds very grandiose, but in yeah. terms practically what, what that means is that you're seeing sanctions, tariffs, trade regulations, uh, becoming increasingly prevalent as a foreign policy tool. And that brings with it a whole new set of regulations that companies have to comply with as well. So, I mean, in terms of the financial crime, um, is this something that's being triggered, you know, very much in line with COVID-19? Or do you think this, this is a trend that you've been seeing for some time and, and it's sort of just coinciding with it? Or do you think there's a um, you know, th- these criminals that are actually taking advantage of uh, of COVID-19 have really seen um, this is probably, the, you know, the opportunity for them to take um, due to the sort of measures that businesses are putting on purely to deal with COVID-19. I think financial crime has always been there. Uh, various estimates from regulators around the world estimate that we we capture you know, less than 1% or identify less than 1% of financial crime. And that's money laundering, terrorism financing, uh, environmental crime, some, some of the most heinous things 
that, that happen around the world uh, are then f- facilitated by financial crime. But I think certainly you see the people who are involved in financial crime, they're not letting a good crisis go to waste. Uh, and certainly they are incredibly resourceful and ingenious in terms of both adapting to the challenges that COVID brings to, to their financial crime activities, but also taking advantage of some of the disruption that the, the pandemic's caused. So, for example, if you look at some of the issues that our customers are having to deal with, um, they the, the, the criminals are looking to looking to this opportunity to buy, bypass some of the customer due diligence measures that banks, for example, have to put in place. So give you very specific examples, face-to-face checks are no longer possible. The, the checking of hard copy documents or the notarization of hard copy documents, and certainly, particularly for very high-risk cases, where a bank would go out and do boots on the ground source inquiries on, on some of their potential customers, they're incredibly difficult as well. So I think you're seeing electronic due diligence start to become the new normal and financial institutions having to look at open source documentation uh, and, and open source data sources in order to be able to perform their due diligence checks. One of the other things that banks are struggling with is potentially a reduction in capacity, either staff being off sick uh, or a sort of reduction in the efficiency of their processing as everybody starts to, to work at home. I think we estimated, as we saw across our, you know, our customer base, something in the in the realms of around 20% reduction in the first few weeks of the pandemic in terms of them being able to process their their checks. But I mean, oh, sorry, go on. So, I mean, just going in there, do you think this is a a situation where that you know to, to deal with this problem that banks will adapt to the working from home environment that may continue, or is it a case they're saying, well, you know, well, there's going to be a lull during this period. There's not a great deal that we can do about it. We'll try our best, but we're just going to try and ride it out and hope. Um, things get back to normal and then the the situation will be alleviated to some extent. No, I mean, I think the banks have definitely adapted well to the working from home environment and those capacity issues are now starting to abate and and they're they're picking up again. Um, However, back to this point of electronic diligence being the new normal, they're having to look at their data sources and perhaps where they were relied on some form of physical check in the past, move to, to an electronic process. Uh, The other thing for the banks, they have to realise and they they can't take a holiday. Certainly the regulators are not giving in on their obligations. Um, So banks are having to take more of a risk-based approach and look at their highest risk customers, their highest risk transactions, payments, uh, and push those to the top. They're also having to put an increased focus on self-reporting. So they have to identify their own issues and report those to the regulator much quicker. And that's certainly what a lot of regulators are expecting. And then, as you said, I think there will be a, a catch-up period when we start to come out of this as well. And they will need to go back over old transactions, old onboardings, uh, and make sure that they're, they're, they're fully fully up to, up to speed. Uh, and I think this, is, this represents a very real risk for investors. If banks get this wrong, 
there's a huge impact. If you look back to the the Westpac scandal that happened in, down in Australia just before the end of last year, you can that, that really brings to light the impact of getting some of these things wrong. So um, you know, the fine hasn't been levied yet, but it's ex- they've put a provision in for upwards of $600 million. Um, you could argue that the fine is, is, is the least of their worries, given that they had about $3 billion wiped off the share price in the first few weeks of the scandal breaking. Um, they lost their chairman. They lost their CEO. The reputational damage was, was enormous as well. They, were, they facilitated 11 million illicit payments. And that included illicit payments between known sex traffickers. So there was a, a commensurate, commensurate loss in revenue as, as, as customers left because they felt that they didn't want to do business with that type of bank. So it's certainly something that people can't be taking lightly. And certainly the regulators have indicated that, that there, won't be, uh, there won't be a holiday period due to the pandemic. And people will have to continue to take that risk-based approach and catch up when we get out of it. So at the moment, there's been a lot of pressure uh, here in the UK on the banks to um, facilitate loans um, for the government scheme. Uh, Obviously, the bounce back loans, the the most recent of those, which is guaranteed by the government. Um, Then there's obviously the, the business continuity loans that came before that. I mean, do you think that there is a risk that banks uh, are going to be shown to um, maybe not have had the the strongest and most stringent checks during this period uh, if they've just been sort of rushing around due to the pressure from the government? Uh, Do you think that's a potential issue for for banks going forwards? Look, I think the banks have been probably doing the best that they can under under the circumstances. Um, And as long as they're across their compliance program and they can demonstrate that they understand the risks that they're they're running uh, and that they're putting the right level of checks in place and they have measures in place to identify any issues and and self-report, then I think that will be seen favorably by the regulators. But let's make no mistake, you're absolutely right to highlight that the rush to get these funds out the door will increase the risk in the, the risk that these banks face there will we are fataf have already highlighted the fact that there is misuse and misappropriation of these financing aid and these emergency funding by criminals both to conceal and to obtain funds illegally yeah so obviously that's that's an issue there for the banks but is is there something that you're um seeing in terms of the consumers, uh, you know, there's obviously uh, well-documented and well-covered uh, issues with phishing, um, issues with, with emails. Of course, there's uh, been some data leaks very recently for some of the large airlines, or one airline in particular. I mean, is there, in terms of the financial crime, is this something that's impacting consumers or is it... Um, most of the banks that are suffering with fraudulent applications and, and that side of things, or is there a targeting of the consumers through their bank accounts, for example? I think that's absolutely right. I think you're seeing commerce move increasingly online, and this has probably accelerated years of a trend that was that was, that was happening anyway. Uh, and there's definitely increased misuse of online financial services, 
um, to conceal and, and move illicit funds, uh, as well as virtual assets. But then also, I think you are seeing consumers being targeted directly, as you rightly identify, through through phishing and other means, in order for people to effectively commit fraud and and, and steal. Um, you know, the, the one thing that we <laughs> these criminals are incredibly resourceful and invent and you know, this uh, primed to take advantage of these types of these types of issues. I mean, in terms of the transactions that are made that would stand out to, to yourself and, and your clients, with a situation that with COVID, we might have seen a reduction in, in you know, transactions and, and activity. Does it make it easier for, for banks and obviously what you do at Dow Jones to identify poten- potential um, dubious transactions? I mean, is there a situation where things are... Um, you know, sort of quieting down, and and you know the, the, where the criminals are obviously putting through transactions, they do stand out a little bit more than what they would have done in normal circumstances. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I mean, when you when you think about the volume of transactions that that, that banks are dealing with, millions, hundreds of millions of transactions, um, they are. And I think, if anything, you've you've perhaps seen an increase in 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 online payments uh, that's that's increasing the noise around fraudulent or, or criminal transactions. I think one thing that we're certainly seeing our most sophisticated customers doing is starting to adapt their rules in some of the systems that they have that are processing these transactions uh, to 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 to, to to take account for some of these new types of fraud that we're seeing through the pandemic. But really, you've got to have an incredibly agile uh, and well thought through and, and a digitized compliance program in order to be able to adapt at, at, at the speed that the pandemic's demanding. So I think certainly you'll sort of see coming out the end of this, both regulators as well as our customers catching up to the fact that they need to accelerate some of the transformation programs that they have in, internally to make sure that they they are agile and nimble enough to deal with the immediacy of some of these new risks. Okay, so ju- just to to finish up, uh, Guy, what would you say is the biggest impact and and potentially negative impact for the financial sector? Is it the potential cost of financial crime or is it going to be um, the associated changes in costs um, for the compliance framework um, internally which, which sort of the, the two factors is it going to be the sort of internal um, costs of, of changing it or is it going to be the external um, costs of, of actually the crime and, and the funds leaving the system that way I think Honestly, it depends on whether or not you have an issue. So if you don't have an issue, uh, then you will, there will still be, the, the cost will still be high to keep uh, your compliance, to bring your compliance program up up to speed. I think if you do have an issue, you'll incur that cost uh, in spades, as well as, you know, that, that those costs may well be dwarfed by, as we illustrated earlier with the, with the Westpac example, the cost of having that, 
that issue brought out into the public uh, and then having to deal with the, the regulators themselves. So, I mean, going back to Westpac, they put aside about $100 million to to update their compliance program after having been uh, after after this issue having been been brought to the surface. Uh, but again, that's dwarfed by the cost of, of, of actually being caught out in the first place. Okay, so it's obviously going to be an interesting space for investors to watch going forward and how uh, the regulator does uh, does look at the changes that they've made there. I, I think so. I mean, you, you will see some of their the regulatory activities being disrupted through this period as well. So on-site visits to the banks have become problematic. Anybody who's in monitorship has become problematic. That's become problematic because of your inability to, to provide a physical presence at the bank's site. So again, I think you will see as we start to come out of this, hopefully, and well, who knows how long, but let's say for argument's sake, six to nine months' time, um, a potentially an increase in in enforcement activity, uh, and therefore the, you know, look out for those risks starting to manifest that further on down the line. So, I mean, the, the, do you think it's probably the case at the moment that there are some businesses, um, you know, at the moment getting away with things? that they shouldn't be due to uh you know a lack of um activity and, and obviously the regulators inhibited to some extent during this period you think there are businesses out there um that you know in a few months time when things get back to, to normal-ish um will start to to see uh the impact of the regulator coming down on them yeah, I mean, I think getting away with it's probably not the right term. Uh, I don't think any of the banks want to actually be doing these these things themselves. But unfortunately, things do tend to can slip through the net. I think you're looking at a period where there is a heightened risk and a heightened amount of illicit activity happening because, as we said, these criminals are, are looking to take advantage of the pandemic situation. And that's exacerbated by the fact that Compliance programs and regulators are somewhat, although not completely, inhibited by by the pandemic itself. So, I think you could potentially see an increased amount of issues coming to light once we start to get into that catch up period and we stop dealing with the most immediate effects of the pandemic and start to look back at, into what actually happened through that period. Okay, that that's fantastic, Guy. Thank you very much for joining us today. Great. Thank you. Thank you. So that was uh, Guy Harrison, who is the general manager of Dow Jones Risk and Compliance Business. Guy, once again, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much.